In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. It's our final Sunday before we start Lent. Ash Wednesday is this coming week, and then we'll all be concentrating on becoming more holy. And holiness is exactly the theme of our first reading at Mass this weekend. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. The Lord God is telling Moses to say this to the people of Israel in this 19th chapter of Leviticus. But if the entire book could be a one-word heading, Leviticus's theme would be holiness. The word holy means set apart. And the people of Israel, now that they've left Egypt, are being called to enter the promised land as a people set apart from the other nations. But what makes Judaism unique from other religions at the time is that their God actually lived out the virtue he called others to strive for. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Pagan gods up in the heavens were envisioned as living in great debauchery and vice. But the God of Israel lives in a much different way. He is holy, set apart, and he calls the Israelites to do the same. St. Paul has some words for the Christians living in Corinth who evidently weren't quite living in a holy way of life. Our excerpt begins with him reminding them that they are the temple of God, and if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. Later on, in this same letter to the Corinthians, he'll famously remind them that their body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within them. But here, we can't get caught thinking that St. Paul is speaking in an individualistic sense about each of their bodies being temples. Rather, he's telling them that when they gather as a Christian community, it's that that is a temple, and in a singular sense. We know this because in our excerpt, he uses the plural form of you, but only the singular of temple. It's something like, don't y'all, plural, know that you are the temple, singular, of God? Let's briefly discuss temples as they were understood in the first century. Like we talked about just a minute ago with our first reading, the gods were understood to be inhabitants of the heavens up above. But on occasion, they chose to come down to earth, and this occurred at specific locations known as temples. The temple was the meeting place between gods and human beings. At a temple, a god would receive worship and sacrifice, hear prayers, and speak through ministers. But here Paul is saying that when the community in Corinth gathers together, they become a temple. It's revolutionary. The God of Israel is choosing to continually reveal himself and hear prayers outside of the normal confines of a temple. The problem, however, and we see this throughout the letter of 1 Corinthians, is that there was infighting among the community at Corinth. This infighting was seen as destroying the temple of the community. Because of that, Paul says that if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For the temple of God, which you are, is holy. As a concluding thought about our second reading, you'll remember a few weeks ago when Paul encouraged the Corinthians to stop saying, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos. He's harping on that theme again at the end of our passage, only here he picks up on something that was probably a common slogan at the time. It was something like, all things belong to the wise man. It must have been a well-known saying in Corinth, all things belong to the wise man. It's with that in mind that Paul first affirms the mantra for everything belongs to you, he says, but then carries it further and says that all belong to you and you to Christ and Christ to God. There are a couple of Jesus's famous sound bites in our gospel this weekend, and one of them is when he tells his followers to turn the other cheek. 
What's key not to miss is that he says that this ought to happen when someone strikes you on your right cheek. The right cheek is important because Israelites predominantly use their right hands for activities. In this way, being slapped on the right cheek would have meant that someone carried out a backhanded slap of their own right hand. Wham! It might take a moment to visualize someone slapping someone else's right cheek with a right hand, but such a backhanded slap would have been even more embarrassing. From there, we have two other sound bites. The first about offering one's cloak in a court of law, which humorously would have left the person naked in court, and the second about going quite literally the extra mile. It's because Roman soldiers were allowed to enlist anyone in an occupied territory with the task of carrying their equipment for a determined distance up to one mile. For Jesus to ask his followers to show this sort of above and beyond generosity to the very occupying forces would have been shocking. But all three of these sound bites, the slapping, the giving of the cloak, and the going the extra mile, are all held up as demands of discipleship. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this seventh Sunday in ordinary time in year A. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.